You guys, as much as I would love to preach about angry Jesus, because it's so fun to preach about angry Jesus when he's like, woe to you, woe to you, the scholar of the law. By saying this, you're insulting us too. He's like, woe to you as well then. You want some of this? Perfect, right? Um, I'm not going to do that. How are you guys doing? Midterms, you're hanging in there? You're doing all right? Okay, some people are like, "Uh uh-uh. Not all right, not okay. Okay, so in times like this, you got to look for signs of hope right? So I see signs of hope. Asher Casey got a haircut, looking sharp, right? (laughs) Okay. Right. It's good. Looking good, brother. Okay. Ladies, huh? (laughs) Buddy might have a vocation of the priesthood too, so I don't know. I will have to see what's up. I have no idea. Okay. Um, I saw another sign of hope walking in. Ryan Frampton has my favorite uh, sweatshirt on. Stand up, brother, so everyone can see. I love that Costco has figured out they can sell you Kirkland clothing. Not just like, not just, it's not just like Kirkland clothing that's like a nice hoodie. No, it's advertising itself. It's a Kirkland sweatshirt with the full logo. I think that's great and should be a sign of hope, okay, to you. Um, okay, what I wanted to preach about, even though both these readings are, are really good for us, is um, the collect prayer for this week. I've had a few conversations with people about it. It's such a, that's the prayer at the beginning of Mass. It's called the collect prayer when the priest says, let us pray, and then you all zone out, and the priest prays a prayer, and nobody remembers what it is except the priest, right? And the only reason the priest remembers what it is is because he has to say it, right? So let me read it again to you, and then let's open it up a little bit because it's actually the way to walk, especially in times like midterms and any other challenging time in your life, okay? So this is the prayer. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after and make us always determined to carry out good works. All right? So it's a great prayer, just that first sentence. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after. That everything is grace. That's a quote from St. Therese of Lisieux. Everything is grace. All is grace. And that grace goes before us and follows after us. That we're surrounded by God and his love for us. That there's no place we can go. There's no thing we can do. There's nothing that we face that we do separate from his grace because he goes before us and he follows after us. He's surrounding us. And that changes how we ought to be in the world then. Overwhelmed, overcome, burdened, anxious, worried, uh uh-uh. None of those things. It's just that we forget that his grace, which is his love, which is his very presence, himself goes before us and follows after us, surrounds us at all times, not just when it's easy to pray, but when you're worn out and you're tired and you're like, whew, this is a tough one. I got to get to the end of this week, even just a couple more days, and then we have a break here coming up. Okay, how do I do this? I don't feel like I have enough. Perfect. God's grace goes before you and follows after He's surrounding you. That settles us down and allows us to move forward in great freedom. 
do we have nothing to do? Is it all just grace then? I can just sit back, right? Put my Kirkland sweatshirt on and just fail all my midterms? No, you actually have to do some things, okay? Because grace isn't magic. It's not magic fairy pixie dust that gets sprinkled on you, right? And you have all infused knowledge and then you go back to your laptops and open it up and your seven-page paper that you've been putting off for seven weeks, right, is magically finished, footnoted in Chicago style, right? Okay? No, it doesn't work that way. It's, this isn't magic. Grace goes before us and follows after us, but look how this prayer finishes. And make us always determined to carry out good works. So the effect of grace on us strengthens our will makes us determined, tough in the face of adversity, substantial, strong, dedicated, disciplined even, so that we can carry out good works. Right now, for a lot of you right now, the good works would be to get your homework done and take care of that responsibility. And I don't just mean that lightly. You know, your, your vocation, one of your, it's not your primary vocation. Your primary vocation is to be a good son or daughter of the Father and a good disciple of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the most important thing, okay? But your particular vocation right now is to be a good student, to take re responsibly the gift and receive responsibly the gift that God has in having you here. So you do your work, right? And that's good for you. That's a good work. There's better works. There's more important ones like giving your heart to Jesus, serving your brothers and sisters, especially those in most need. And that's the effect of grace in our life. To know that God is going before and preparing us. He's following after and perfecting us. He's surrounding us at all times. To, to do what? To make us determined to carry out good works in our lives. To make an impact on this earth while we're here. That's what grace does for us. It doesn't let us off the hook. It engages us in the great work of salvation, which God wants us all to participate in. And when we do that, we're not doing it by ourselves. We're doing it as I bring out of the mass all the time. We're doing it through him and with him and in him. It is precisely not on our own. We can't do it on our own. Jesus doesn't want us to even attempt it because we'll mess it up. He's like, do it through me and with me and in me. I'm gonna dwell in you. How? Through grace, the divine life, and even in particular, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we all receive at baptism. That Holy Spirit, a real person, God himself dwelling in us, that we're temples of the Holy Spirit, and then what happens is exactly what we heard from Galatians. All right, we have the, the terrible list of all the awful things, the works of the flesh, right? Okay, but then we have this. And you should know these, especially if you were confirmed as a Catholic. This is where you get the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? We have the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we have the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. And listen, who wouldn't want more of these? In contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
What a great opportunity to say yes to those fruits. I want to walk in that way with your grace going before me, following after me, making me determined to carry out good works. Basically, I want to live in the freedom of the Spirit. St. Paul writes to these same Galatians, for freedom Christ has set us free. So don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. What is that freedom? It's the freedom of knowing yourself as a beloved son or a daughter. Same St. Paul writes in Romans, he said, for we did not receive a spirit of slavery through which we fall back into fear, but we received a spirit of adoption through which we cry out, Abba, that is Father. Okay? So that's the call tonight. Don't forget who you are in all this as you face your responsibilities. You're not in this by yourself. Grace is going before you. It's following after you. And it's even penetrating within you. The Holy Spirit bringing all of his gifts, all of his fruits to your heart. Midterms doesn't seem so impossible then. And in fact, it's just a great opportunity to do the good work that God has invited you to do.